Welcome to the Messianic Media Podcast, a discussion of Messianic, Christian, and secular artistic works with David and Mark. Welcome to the Messianic Media Podcast, a discussion about Messianic music, video, and art. I'm David Kasdan, a Messianic filmmaker, artist, and musician. Let's go to new releases. First up, my band, The Pear Republic, just released our music video for Adonai. This is a single from our self-titled album, and it's the first full production music video. We filmed it in Deerfield, Illinois, and it includes some shots from Chicago. You can check out the video by going to tinyurl.com, T-I-N-Y-U-R-L.com slash Pear Adonai. So that's P-E-A-R Adonai, A-D-O-N-A-I. Or you can search for Pear Republic Adonai on YouTube. Hopefully we can get a lot of views and it'll promote the new album. Teshuva released a new EP called To the Coastlands. This is a three-song worship album that's inspired by Jeremiah 31. Vince and Deborah Klein Latorno released a new album called Purificame. This is a Spanish version of their English CD, Walk on Water, which was released last year. Their music is a fusion of Latin and Middle Eastern rhythm, pop, rock, and liturgy. Now for the interview section. Dorothy Gittleman attends Simchat Yisrael Messianic Congregation in New Haven, Connecticut. She is on the worship team, and she helps run the children's ministry worship. She's the editor of Rachot, which is a UMJC women's magazine. In this episode, I talked about getting a podcast on iTunes. At the time, I had not figured out how to get it on iTunes, but I was able to Google it and get it up there. So you just create a blog with an RSS feed that has a link to the files, and then you fill out some other data, but then you can get it on there. I'm talking to Dorothy Gittleman, who's attending Simchat Yisrael in New Haven, Connecticut. How are you? Hey, I'm good, David. How are you? I'm doing good. I know that you were involved in uh, worship music um, at Simchat Yisrael. Yes. Yeah, for the one of the most exciting things I've done recently, um, well, first of all, I've, I've started to become part of the music group and leading worship and um, working as a Hazan in our services. Um, so it's been pretty exciting for me to, um, to be a part of the music and watch people respond as we um, work on our worship together. Um, but what I've really done in the last couple of years is I've worked with, with the children in worship. We started junior congregation services. And um, we take the kids out once a month, and they conduct their own service, starting um, starting um, from the beginning of the service, and we go through about the Torah service. And then twice a year, the kids have presented their own service oh, to wow. the community. Yeah, it's been pretty fun. And one of the side effects is that the kids are learning the prayers, and they are learning the liturgy, and they are getting excited about the music on their own. So the weeks that they're sitting in the service, I'm watching about 90% of our children, and these are pre-bar and bat mitzvahs. I'm watching these kids open in the door, point to where they're supposed to be, and doing the service with the grown-ups. That's really cool. Um, you used a Hebrew term that I'm not familiar. Was that a worship leader or a worship participant? Uh, uh, a hazan. 
Is that what I? What did I? Yes. Use? Yeah. Hazan. Um, what yeah. does Hazan mean? A Hazan is um, is a prayer leader, um, and it's a traditional term for the person who is leading the prayers. Okay. Um, so in a lot of synagogues, you'll have rabbis and Hazans, and so the rabbis work on the teaching, and generally the Hazans are doing the um, doing the canting or um, and the singing and the leading in the worship and the prayer, especially. Okay. Are you the sole Hazan? I am not. There's uh, we have a team of three Hazanim. Oh, excellent. Now, how did the uh, uh, children's ministry worship services get started? Um, you know, it started out of uh, selfishness in some ways, I'd say, because there was one summer we don't do children's service, uh, ch- children's program during the summer. And so I started hanging out with my kids and then all the other kids were playing with me. I'm like, you know, what? if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this for everybody. And I started a choir that year and we did some we pulled a lot of kids' music from traditional Judaism. There's a lot of fun things, not just Debbie Friedman anymore. There's a lot of um, Rick Recht things and, um, oh, the names are eluding me, uh, Shira Klein. And they, they have a lot of just fun Jew- Jewish songs. And so we did some fun Jewish stuff. And But then it just led into wanting more and watching the kids really grab a hold of their identity and the relationship to God through this program. It's been fun. Uh, how many children are participate, and is it a hundred percent participation with all the children? Um, I think with most messianic congregations, you have a lot of um, different dynamics, and um, so among our regular children, we have pretty consistent um, participation. So the children of fam- of the families who are really committed to messianic Judaism or are being raised as messianic Jews, they are all part of it the times when they're there. Um, the, um, aside from that, I'd say we don't, we'd have about 5% non-participants and that's just of people who are new to the movement and they're learning, but it's a really great way to start kids. It's almost like a learner's minion for children. Oh, that's great. No, that's a a lot of, uh, participation. Um, Yeah, it is. Have the youth been involved in the services as well? Um, some, because, uh, um, I haven't had a lot of chance. I don't want the kids to be up at the Bema with the Torah until they've had their bar mitzvah. So, so the teens have been really, um, really effective in running the Torah service for me when we do that. And so they go up and they'll do the Eliot and they'll do, um, the Torah service for me. So that's been exciting. When the children are leading worship, are they using the same, uh, same music in the same liturgy, um, the same siddur that um, the synagogue normally uses? Um, essentially, I have taken the siddur and um, made a children's version of the siddur so we could have enough for everybody, but the order of the prayers and the prayers are the same. In terms of music, I was really surprised with the children. Um, I thought that they would be interested in doing a lot a lot of new fun songs, well, what I consider to be new and different and up up up-to-date songs but one of the things I found is they like the old familiar stuff so um, a lot of uh, they keep going back to Paul Wilbur's stuff a lot of classics that we've uh, that have been in the movement for a long time the nine and ten year olds really love which is amusing to me but um, we have also introduced um, some new music into our congregation and it's taken hold actually which is fun yeah grew up a uh, second generation believer so I was definitely hearing a lot of the music and I, I still definitely appreciate the classics I think that uh, it seemed like a lot of other people my age kind of changed towards um, doing more of a kind of Christian um, like pop worship kind of 
yeah. music. Um, yeah. Like even though I, you know, radically changed my music, I I think it's a throwback to the old style. Like I I do like the minor chords. Do you think there's enough variety uh, among Messianic worship? Um, and do you like incorporating uh, Jewish or Christian worship songs? So that brings me to a question that is um, is an interesting thing that I found, is what makes a song Jewish? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, it, I, this is something that we've had questions, and somebody might say, well, that song's too Christian, but yet it was a very, very Jewish song that my husband grew up singing in a Reformed synagogue. Um <laughs> You know, what what makes for Jewish music in itself? Um, we we pull uh, we like to pull from Messianic sources and also from uh, mainstream Jewish sources. I think for in the interest of um, being uh, um, being appealing to the Jewish world, I think we don't do as um, as much Christianese music as we've done in the past. OK. What's your personal background uh, with music? Um, did you um, grow up in a church or synagogue? I grew up in a, um, in a church, in the Southern Baptist Church, and my mom was a um, music minister for a very long time. I've been playing piano in the church um, since I was 15, so I've, I've been doing music for a long time in the, in the worship world. You mentioned something about sheet music, but I wasn't sure what, um, what, what you, were, you wanted me to ask you about for that. Mm-hmm. Sheet music. Um, I wish the Messianic world had more sheet music, um, like music that a songbook. I, I told you I grew up in the Southern Baptist town home. If you wanted a piece of music, you were handed a hymnal and you start playing that piece of music. Um, and we don't have that very often here for a classical, more classical musician as myself. I'm better if you hand me a piece of music, I can pretty much play it for you. But if uh, you hand me a chord sheet uh, and I've never heard the song before, I'm kind of lost. Um, and it'd be nice to see more sheet music with notes that I, if you hand me a piece of music, I can play it. Um, and I've been thinking that it would be exciting to get together um, sheet music from the new artists and put together like a songbook that we can say, hey, look at our new artist. You can go and play it yourself. Yeah, I understand that. So I've never... Uh, played piano. Um, you know, I've seen a few Messianic songbooks and saw the chords and kind of assumed that was that was basically all that you need. But you're talking about having something that's more comprehensive that kind of goes through um, the notes or the main ideas for each of the songs. Yeah, with like a lead sheet with, that has probably a treble a treble cleft and and it, what it, the information that it would give me as a musician is it gives note lengths, it gives the chorus duration, it gives a lot of just simple information right up front. Um, and if you haven't heard a song, this is valuable information. Okay, and when you're talking about new artists, um, are you talking about um, like new worship or um, any type of song? Um, primarily worship. I think that um, it would be a really good tool to give to, um, to worship leaders. So that um, there can, uh, the, so that the newer artists can say, look, we have worship music, and we want people to use it in their synagogues. And the best way to do that is to give them the tools. Okay, is there training um, or communication between worship leaders at different messianic synagogues? Um, I haven't been to a lot of the UMGC conferences, and so I don't really know. Um, nothing, nothing that I have experienced. But again, I don't know. I don't know how much there is or there isn't. 
Sure. If anyone's kind of interested in following up with you, um, I know that, you know, I'm personally um, don't have the, the skills or anything to put together like a, you know, um, sheet music for, for Messianic worship. And I don't know if how much you're interested, but if if someone was interested in talking to you about that, is there a way for them to get in contact with you? Right now, I have another musician who is willing to transcribe music, which uh, transcription is take, it's, it's taking the music and writing it down in musical notes from hearing it. Um, I have another musician who's willing to do that with me. Um, so I've got a couple. It, it, this is a very doable project that I, I would be willing to work on. Um, and so my email address is d-o-r-g-i-t-m-a-n at gmail.com. So doorgitman at, at gmail.com. And I'd be interested in hearing from artists to see if anybody's interested in sharing their worship music and working on this project. How do you visualize the finished project? Would it be a CD-ROM? Would it be a printouts? Um, would it be something distributed online? Um, either a CD-ROM or a music, a physical music book. It would be exciting to sort of had, have like a CD or a playlist that goes with with a book so you could listen and play and then you could have a lot of information in terms of how to implement this music in your congregation. Um, I haven't worked out quite the um, distribution stuff yet. This is a very brand new idea. I'm thinking the artists at AMF because um, their stuff hasn't been out there. Other people may have done older music and have the music notes for it, but the newer musicians don't necessarily have that for them. Um, and then we can, that's a way to distribute their music also. Yeah, I have two bands, um, Pair Republic and Treasel Now, and obviously uh, Pair Republic isn't, it doesn't fit that, but the Treasel Now. Treasel Now, is that the one that did, um, there, on the last podcast, there was a, um, a really driving song. It was the second song in the set at the end. Um, I don't I remember, but it, it was basically the only song. It's called Great Things. Okay. Yeah, we, yeah. he has done great things for us. Oh, yeah, he yeah, has, yeah. yeah, I liked that one, actually, oh, very great. much. Yeah, no, I, I, that's, I, that, I want that for the kids, actually. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. that's that's good, because that's a song, you know, I mean, we recorded on a computer. We haven't even, uh, you know, we haven't even formally recorded it yet, and, you know, I think we we'll, won't have a CD for next year, but it's good, because, like, I think that, you know, I have a few songs that would work as worship songs. Exactly. Basically, but I haven't even, you know, written, written them down. Um, I mean, it would be a guitar arrangement, but, you know, I know. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think this is an interesting challenge when, you, when you're talking about worship groups. You know, when you're talking about worship groups in a synagogue, you may or may not have a guitarist or a pianist. So you want it to have it accessible for whichever musician can grab it. And if it's a good song, it will translate from piano to guitar and back, depending on whatever you have. That's something to, to do. I mean, I currently, you know, I think in guitar terms, even though, you know, I just play bass guitar and stuff, but that's, yeah. that'd be great to, you know, have a transition back and forth. Cause I, I know there's certainly, there's a lot of talented uh, pianists and a lot of talented guitars. Yeah, absolutely. So you are now the editor of Achot, which is a UMJC women's magazine. Uh, when did you start um, editing that? That's been about a year now. Um, I think I started um, ER, yeah, this month last year, the Jewish Month ER. Um, so there's a web. Right now, all the um, newsletters are distributed with the UMJC newsletter, and they've either been an insert or um, or its own newsletter. Um, and it's been really exciting to work with different women and to to get their input 
um, in a written form and to see what sort of talent we have in our midst. It's just amazing how many talented people they are. One of the things I would like to see happen, though, is I'd like to see this turn. Uh, I'd like to do more with a blog and to do more with a website and to create a really vibrant online community, because I think it's certainly doable. And we live in such a technological world that it's easy to communicate via the Internet, really. Oh, excellent. Um, what kind of articles have you been receiving and what kind of uh, material would you want in the future for either the magazine or for online? In the last year, we've done something devotional generally um, related to the month that's coming out. So a Passover type article or something about Hanukkah, but a devotional sort of something where um, how does this month relate to me as a person? And especially this is a women's newsletter as a woman. So, you know, mothers have different challenges than the fathers have. Um, and um, not just mothers, but uh, women in general, I think it's a different, it, it's, it's its own little entity. Um, so a devotional, we've had recipes, we've had book reviews, we have what's going on in your synagogue um, ideas. So it's really kind of a, com- a place to be, a community place. I'd love to see um, more devotional stuff as we move forward. We are going to start, um, as soon as we get the website moving, um, we're going to do a study on the ashray. And um, in a few weeks, we're going to go through it to to learn the ashray and to um, to understand it as a prayer and as scripture. What is the ashray? The ashray is Psalm 145, and in traditional um, in traditional liturgy, it's sung um, in the middle of the um, the Pazuke de Zimra, which is the um, the praise section in a um, in a in a worship service, and um, it's sung um, by traditional Jews in the liturgy. It's sung uh, twice a day, I think, maybe three times. I forget. Um, And so it's really integral in the prayer service. Um, But so many times if you go to a service and it's sung completely in Hebrew, you have no idea what you're singing, even though you sing it all the time. And what I'd like to do is understand more of what we're singing and understand on a very deep connecting to God level. So that's going to be one of the first projects coming out through the Internet, I think. Okay. Um, do you have a web address and do you have uh, contact information for the uh, Hode group? Right now, the web address is um, umjc, uh, I think it's .org, um, slash achot, A-C-H-O-T. And on that uh, website, you can find all the newslet- the current newsletters. Um, right now, the website is um, going to undergo construction. We haven't gotten to that point yet. Um, and um, the email address at this time is the same that I gave before. So one of the things I'd like to do, too, with Ahot, I've been very inspired by you, David, um, is I'd love to have my own podcast, actually. And um, I was really hoping that you could help me um, figure out how to do that sort of thing. Okay, excellent. Um, so what we'll do is we'll take a quick break, and then um, I'll just go through and basically explain at least what I know about podcasting. Okay. This episode is sponsored by David Kasdan Videography. Hopefully you've seen my new music video called Adonai. I filmed and edited a video for my band. I think I was able to get some beautiful shots while making this video. If you like it, I could make a music video for your band or artistic project. My rates are affordable and I can travel from my home base in Chicago. My website is davidkasdan.com. That's D-A-V-I-D. K A S is in Samuel, D is in David, A N is in Nancy. dot com. My email is davidkasdan at gmail dot com.
I also film weddings, corporate events, and business videos. We're back with Dorothy Gittleman, and I'm just going to um, walk through some podcasting things. Um, basically, you know, I started out, and then I'll explain at least what I'm using and uh, some of the alternatives, and then I'll be able to uh, hopefully at least get an idea of some things. Okay, so first, um, I guess we'll talk about uh, recording. Mm-hmm. Now, so I use uh, I do use Skype, um, you know, and that's seems like what most people are available on. Okay. And then and it seems to be pretty easy. Um, what it, there's an application called Call Note, C A L L N O T E. Okay. And that's a software where you can set it up to automatically record Skype calls. Now there's an I mean, there's a couple options in it. First, I mean, you have to open the application and you, know, you can set it to automatically record um, when you make a call. You can also set it to, uh, you know, have a disclaimer, you know, letting the other person know the call's being recorded. Um, okay. You know, and I usually just tell, I tell people that it's, it's being recorded and then it'll store in your hard drive. It also, if you happen to use Evernote, like it can correspond with that like as well, where it saves your hard drive and it has an option to upload to online. Oh, cool. The only thing about that is that it takes um, takes a really long time to upload it online, and so far I haven't had a problem. Like, I just save it to my computer. Now, I also have a uh, portable audio recorder. Mm-hmm. Now, I originally got the uh, audio recorder because I film weddings, and it's an extra source of audio. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been handy as uh, um, for mixing, at least. When I started out, I, I wasn't really using it. I was just using the software. And I noticed mm-hmm. that, um, at least with my default, I don't have a, you know, I don't have an external mic connected to my computer. Mm-hmm. So I noticed that the calls coming in on the other line sound really good. And then my calls only sounded so-so, like my part. Okay. So what I do is I have it in, so I have it recording, and then basically I switch back and forth between the two audio sources when I ask a question and then when you have a response. Okay. Now, let's see, for for mixing it, um, do you have a Mac or a PC? I have a Mac. I mean, I'm sorry, I have a PC. What <laughs> am I talking about? <laughs> I have a PC. <laughs> okay, so now I haven't tried on a PC, like I switched over from a PC to Mac before I started recording mm-hmm. um, episodes, but I did, I do think that you have a couple options. Um, first, Audacity. Yeah, I've a, worked with Audacity before. Okay. So, I mean, that works, that certainly works well for at least basic editing. Though I did notice it kind of, it's kind of clunky, it's not as quick to make cuts. I actually okay. use... So I actually use video editing software to to edit it together. Um, so I think like a you can also try like you know putting the audio file in Windows Movie Maker. Okay. And then uh, you can split clips like you're doing. Uh, you know, you just split clips to get rid of pauses and things. Okay. Yep. Have you uh, used Adobe um, Premiere? Yeah, okay, so yeah, Adobe Premiere would be even better. Um, I've done a lot of video editing in Premiere. Um, I haven't done any podcasting, you know, in particular, but it's it's 
nice in that it's easy to make cuts and things, and that's basically what you do. And you can kind of have a couple different, you know, you can have, you know, two layers for the different tracks, but it's, you know, it's it's pretty quick. And unlike video editing, you can really cut in, you can really slice and dice with audio. Okay. Uh, as long as you have like even a split second pause where nothing's being said, you, mm-hmm. you know, you can't really tell. I mean, you kind of have to keep a little bit of a pause so that it doesn't, the questions and the answers aren't right on top of each other. Right. But you can basically, you know, just cut out any, you know, times you start over any, you know, I don't cut out every single time I say, um, but I cut out a, a lot of them when I notice them. Okay. Cause I, I tend to do that in something I'm working on. But yeah, no premiere. And then I use uh, final cut, you know, on my Mac to do that. It means basically the same thing. And then you can just, you know, export as an MP3 or whatever audio format you want. Mm-hmm. That would be, that'd be pretty good. Basically, I listen to a lot of uh, podcasts um, at work because, you know, my office job, um, I re- do a lot of, uh, you know, just listen to podcasts while I'm working on some some work that, you know, is pretty easy but just time consuming. Yeah. So I, I listen to a lot and you notice that basically all of them use a little music kind of for intro and outro stuff. So mm-hmm. I use, you know, I cut something with my, my own band and then. It, it adds a lot, even if it's just, you know, a quick thing. And you can, so you can probably talk to, uh, you know, an artist, especially Messianic artists, and they'd be, I'm sure they'd probably want it in exchange for, you know, credits or something mm-hmm. at the end of the episode and stuff. And you just put in a little bit of a fade. And then what I do is I have, you know, it's a little bit of work in the beginning because to make the two files, like an intro and outro file, yeah, then you yeah. just copy it from episode to episode and it, Makes it sound nice. Do you make yourself a template at all? So I have like folders. Um, let's see what I have. Yeah, I have folders where it's like, you know, I have one folder that's all the, you know, the finished MP3s, one folder that's, um, and then I make a folder for, you know, each week. But mm-hmm. okay. um, the only thing that copies over, well, actually, I do, I used to, when I started out, I made a extensive notes in, anticipation of the of the the questions I was going to ask mm-hmm. but I, I found that you know I just writing a few points is is pretty good and then I can figure out what to say from the conversation but so I just make a folder for each each episode and then I drag the you know the the raw audio files in the folder and then you know and then I have the word document with my notes and then the editing file Mm-hmm. And then so I'll just when I do a new episode I'll make a new folder with the uh, with the date and the episode title mm-hmm. and I'll you know save over I'll open the previous weeks save it as a new one and then delete the audio files and then keep the musical okay things. that makes sense if you interview someone you do it you know you will cut it down like basically from like if we talk for an hour it'll be like 35 to 40 minutes, but then you can get a, a lot of recorded content for, um, you know, for the amount of time that you put in. Okay. And I think so, with pod, podcasts, it seems people do have a longer patience than, uh, than like YouTube or articles online and that people will listen to, 
you know, well, half hour, hour interviews if it's interesting. I do exactly what you do. You're sitting at work and you listen to your podcast. I do it, especially when I need to clean my kitchen. That's when I turn it on. And that's an hour where I want to listen to whatever to David, Kasdan, whoever he's interviewing. <laughs> and so I turn it on. There's an hour right there. And so I'm in the kitchen because I want to be there. And I have to clean to do something while I'm listening to the podcast. So <laughs> that's why I enjoy the podcast, actually. Oh, excellent. Nice. Now, hosting is a little more complicated. It's it's kind of interesting. I'm still trying to work this out. It's, with YouTube, you know, it's, like, really easy to do videos and, like, all those things. Right. Um, it's actually kind of complicated for putting audio online. Yeah. When I started out, I tried uh, Podbean. Yeah, I saw that. Which is nice for, for trying out. It's it's interesting. It's It works really well and it saves a lot of setup, but the problem is that they only let you upload a couple hours and then it costs money beyond that. Right. So, you know, I hit my, my limit on that. And at that point, then I talk, I was talking to someone that was uh, doing a radio show. Like, so I'm part of uh, Messianic Lamb Radio. Yep. Which is good. I haven't really, I just kind of talked to the guy that, that runs it. I haven't really listened. I listen a little around, but I haven't really listened to any of the other people that are doing that. But the nice thing of that is that he was doing He's handling the hosting. I just um, basically got a software to upload it to his website. Okay. And then he'll do the, I mean, so they do the, the hosting and then, you know, then it has a built-in audience. Um, right. Downside is, you know, that's, it's not your site. And then it's, um, you know, then, then there's an expectation to do, um, you know, something every week or every other week or something like that. Yeah, I, but then once it's online, then I can copy the link and then use it on my, my own Facebook group or, you know, I'm trying to, I'm a little behind, but like I, I do have like a blog where I post the links and things. And so mm -hmm. it, it links to the, you know, basically that people can listen without going to that actual site. But, um, um, it works for that. So another option for uploading online, I think that SoundCloud.com tends to be um, pretty good for uploading files. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, the only, I mean, SoundCloud is definitely more of a, designed more for music. So I think at least, you know, you might not get the episodes. Um, like it's not a, a website where people are going there looking for podcasts. Right. If you want something, just to have it online and then link from, you know, link it on on the Aho website or something like that. Okay. That'd be an option. But and that's something where you can you can put in tags and and all that, and you can create like you have some cont control over what the link says. Like you can say soundcloudcom slash right. podcast one episode you know name or whatever. Okay. Does SoundCloud do RSS um, updates? Like, um, when the new podcast comes out, will it update people? Or you don't know? I don't know. Um, I'm guessing... Because one of the things, as a listener to a podcast, I love right. it when I update my feed and voila, there's a new podcast from such and such a place. Um, and that's that's one of the ways I get, um, get my information instead of looking every time. Oh, yeah, no. And that's something, you know, I definitely use RSS for for reading blogs. So my workaround is to, uh, for an RSS is that I'm trying to keep a blog 
um, going where I link, you know, I put all the episode descriptions and stuff. Okay. And one thing you can do is after, so after you finish an episode, you can go back to the notes page that you wrote for each one. And then I, I write like a, a one paragraph description. Mm -hmm. Usually it's mostly just the, you know, a a brief bio on who I'm interviewing and Mm -hmm. then include the, you know, appropriate links. And then I also throw in a brief like chapter time code of in case people want to listen to certain parts of it. Um, I find that's not as important. Like the podcast I listen to, don't tend to do that, but I, I just figured I'd, I'd throw that in there. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe get people that are on the fence and listening to that particular podcast, they can see, oh, there's this section that I'd want to listen to. I found it useful, too, because there's been times where I can go back and say, you know what, I really wanted to listen to that song again, and the songs start at 37 whatever. Right. As opposed, you know, I want to skip the interview and go back to the songs I heard before because those were cool songs. Yeah. So you should check to see, though, if... Uh, you know, the UMJC will let you host yes. things. Also see if they can let you set up a uh, blog with RSS. I, I'm not, you know, I, I use, you know, built-in blogs that have built-in RSS. I've never set that up for, like, a website. Yeah. So that's something to do. Now, iTunes is definitely the easiest way to get podcasts. Unfortunately, it's not that easy to get on iTunes. I see. Okay. Now, when I used Podbean, it automatically integrated with iTunes. Okay. Um, where I was able to have it online. Right. But then okay. the problem was is that, you know, I didn't want to pay. And then, um, mm-hmm. now supposedly you can, there's a lot of, if you Google, like, you know, submit podcast to iTunes, it'll get right. a rather long web page of all the requirements. Basically, they want a lot of information, like uh, they want, you know, an episode description in for each episode, and they want proper formatting. Now, I haven't quite gotten it there. It's, it's you know, a project that I want to work on, but I haven't gotten around. Like, I've, I've thought I've set up everything correctly, but then I'll submit it, and then they say that the formatting isn't correct. Hmm. What do they want for formatting? I mean, a lot of it, I guess, is tags, um, like to throw in. Um, let's see, I mean, they want you know an episode title. I see they want an episode title and description. Mm-hmm. I think I, and the thing is, is that I thought I had everything set up. I'm not. You know, so first you do have to have an RSS feed to okay, yeah, to, to iTunes. So you get that. You also have to make an an image, like an, uh, you know, a square image for the, uh, it's uh, like an icon. So it has a a picture on it. Yep. But then there's basically tags, like there's an iTunes summary tag and a channel on an item. Okay. So, and this is, you know, obviously it's a, it's a long web, web page if you can see that. Yeah, I see it. And that's why I basically said, you know, I'm, figured, you know, I was just trying to get the episodes out there and then worry about that, that later. I mean, mm-hmm. certainly I think that people can subscribe to the blog, even if it isn't directly, you know, linked to iTunes. So that's at least something that people that want to subscribe via RSS can do that. Mm-hmm. And then 
you know, set up a, a Facebook or, or something like that for the people that prefer to follow it that way. And then, then you'll have the, you know, the website where you can, you know, people can check in. It helps to have a, a regular schedule um, so that people can kind of, so the people that don't subscribe can kind of have a general idea at least of when things are coming out. Right. Well, yeah, it's, and then you have to figure, you have to backtrack, you know, you give yourself some time to edit and get it online. So how often do you put out your, t um, your podcasts? Okay. So it's every other week. So looking at the, you know, the other networks on the, pretty much all of them are weekly shows and that's okay. kind of interesting. And then the podcast that I listen to that, you know, I don't listen to any messianic podcasts. I listen to a lot of, uh, you know, regular podcasts. Yep. They all put stuff out every week. Mm -hmm. It's short. Ideally, I'd want to move to a weekly schedule, but it's kind of I'm I'm personally trying to get some ad money and stuff, or mm -hmm. something that'll cover my time. At that point, I definitely would change to a a weekly show. That makes sense. Right. I did take one. I basically I recorded the first eleven on schedule, and then I took a week off, and then I'm gonna have a, another block where I'll be doing that. Okay. And you know, if you're doing a weekly schedule, you you definitely be in seasons, and like people take certainly take winter breaks and and summer breaks. I think, but I think the idea is that you know, if you have the time for it, like people definitely like tuning in for weekly shows, even if it's like shorter versus a show that's every other week. Well, that makes sense. I I have listened to the occasional monthly podcast, so that's that is an option too. I think. So how do you pick your interviews, and how do you um how off how far in advance do you um sort of set up and schedule what you're doing um in terms of planning? Okay, um, yeah, so doing it every other week, um. Ideally, I just would want to set it up about where I'd have one episode to spare. Okay. Uh, so ideally, I'd be uh, doing interviews three to four weeks in okay. advance. Um, sometimes, so it gives me the option of also um, doing multiple interviews in a in a week and then uh, taking a, a week off or something like that or a couple weeks off. Okay. Um, so I don't have to since it takes me takes me about uh, um, probably only about three to four hours to at, at most to edit a podcast. I don't have to worry that much. Um, so I can do um, like if I have an episode, I can easily do it recorded two weeks or even like a week and a half out. So I don't have to, uh, I don't have to record, you know, that far in advance. Okay. Yeah. No, I think that, it's good to get three to four because people can reschedule like both, you know, you can, you know, change your schedule or the other person can change their schedule. If, I mean, so if something comes up. Oh, that's a good point. That's yeah. That's the main thing with that, with that other than that, the editing time isn't, isn't too bad. So, and then, you know, you can give yourself, you know, 24, like give yourself a day or two in case, um, if you're trying to do a consistent schedule, you can give yourself, a little bit of time if there's technical problems for getting online. Okay. 
Um, I have a question. If yeah. um, the person who I'm talking to has a telephone but does not have Skype, is there a way to do that? Like okay. if I have Skype yeah, and I'm so, not, yeah. Um, I recorded a little bit. Um, yeah, so most of the interviews are Skype. I recorded one episode that I did in person, hand, mm-hmm. handing back a, a portable microphone. Even though Skype can work with regular phone numbers, yeah. um, call note doesn't work with with okay. regular with phone calls, even if it's going through Skype, something I learned the hard way. Um, I think it's probably a security issue or something like that. It only takes calls from Skype account to Skype account. So you can record phone calls. Um, I think you can, you can get decent audio by using the speakerphone. Okay. And then having a, a portable microphone to a speakerphone. I haven't figured out a way to directly, even though my computer even though my phone does have a USB cable, I don't, I don't know of a way to directly record from a phone to okay. a computer. Okay. But, but basically, I think that you know, if you get a quiet environment, then you can, you can get a, a phone call on speakerphone if you just kind of might want to work with it a little to make sure that it's the right volume, you know, and okay, so try to minimize distortion. So it'll, it'll sound a little choppy, but you know, I think it'll, it'll be good. Okay. Thank you. Let's see. Was there anything that I forgot or did that kind of make sense? That makes a a lot of sense. And I guess the most challenging part really is the hosting and getting it online to people, huh? Yeah, that's probably the hard part. And then, oh, forgot for, for finding people. Um, you know, there are people that, you know, are my friends or, you know, at least people that I've been acquainted from. Um, I kind of, um, yeah, so it was just finding people that that interested me, me. and then mm-hmm. I think you know if you mention you sp- if you start spreading the word that about a podcast, then there are people that are that'll express interest in being on them. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of you have to kind of send out maybe twice as many requests for people to be on my show than than end up. Okay. Something like that, where you know, so I'll send. And that's also the luxury of being, you know, four to six weeks out and that I can kind of, um, so you record you know, a normal schedule and then if someone's, you know, you can send it, you know, out requests to other people and then not worry about when they come back in. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I'm very excited. Thank you, Dave. Nice. So basically, you know, there are podcasts where it's like, you know, almost all interviews, which is definitely mine. Um, are you also going to go over teaching or messages um, or do reviews? You know, I haven't thought that much about exactly how um, I would go into it. Um, I hadn't thought about reviews. That's not a bad idea. Um, the podcasts I personally enjoy listening to, and this is what I was thinking, are the ones that are conversational interviews where you really get to feel like you're in the middle of the conversation. Um, when you co- in, um, had the conversation with Britta, I'm friends with Britta, so I felt like I was in the middle of the conversation. I could just throw my two cents in, but nobody else hurt, hears me. But I, I'm right there, and I'm, I'll be like, oh, yeah, and you could do this too. And when I listen to my favorite podcast, it's um, it's a simplemom.net is one of my favorites. It's the same thing. Is they'll be talking about something about diapering, and I'll say, oh, yeah, when my kids were babies. And it's just me and the radio. <laughs> but I really um, want to bring that sort of community in with them. Um, I would love to go through – 
um, start with the UMJC sisterhood and just um, get to know some of uh, the Rabitsons and just women, women of all walks and t- get their stories and how they deal with messianic life and um, just the world, the sort of conversation where somebody might be listening in their kitchen and the radio and want to throw their two cents in. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, I enjoy definitely the conversations, you know, and and things, and that's, you know, why I started the uh, the podcast, because I enjoyed talking to the, you know, different Messianic artists, um, you know, and I I think that if I found the, the right person, I'd um, have a co-host or something for my show, and I think that it'd actually make it easier in that, you know, it's, I'd be able to talk about, you know, I'd be able to do more stuff outside of just the interview, because I think that, you know, I think they're interesting topics, but, you know, it's not really... You know, I'll just address them kind of quickly and then get to my interview under my okay. system. Oh, as opposed to having a conversation with somebody about that topic and then right. going on with the interview. No, you can definitely, um, you can talk a lot more about a, a topic with someone than, you know, just kind of at the, you know, basically at the person. And personally, I have to, you know, if I'm talking something like my announcements or something like that, I'll have to, I write that almost all out, like, um, because, you know, then, because, like, I would stumble on my words or not say mm-hmm. exactly how I wanted to. But then when I'm talking to other people, then I just write the bare bones minimum. Okay. Was there anything else? Um, no, I think that really covers it. Thank you for taking the time and for having me on. I'm so excited. Um, <laughs> it's been fun, Dave. Okay, excellent. Uh, oh, I know. The la- last thing. Um, okay. Go Cubs, right? Oh, um, yeah, Definitely. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I moved to Chicago a couple of years ago, but definitely, um, yeah, it's my good luck, and you'll have to let me know um, any progress on your podcast. I'll send you a preview when I get one one together, okay? Okay, excellent. Thanks for all your help. Okay, bye. bye. Thank you for listening to the Messianic Media Podcast. Like us on facebook.com slash messianicmedia, and send any comments to messianicmedia at gmail.com.